Hello and welcome to the Greg Fearon podcast with your host Greg Fearon and today I have the awesome Melissa Cerrone who is a strength and running coach and helps mums get their strength back, get fitter, happier and healthy. Hey Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So first of all, I know you have your own podcast so we're going to talk about that later um, but just do a quick intro so the listeners can hear who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are, because that's always the fun bit. Yeah, so um, I am a mom myself. I have two kids. They're six and five at the moment. One's almost seven. Um, but I got into strength coaching back in 2000. Well, I got my first certification in 2014, but the idea popped in my head in 2012. Um, so my day job is that I'm in the United States Navy. Um, and I have about a year and a few months left on that, and then I'll be retiring. And at the time I had no idea where that Navy was going to take me. And I found strength versus running. It's ironic, um, as my like new favorite thing. And once I found strength training, so I, you know, I grew up in the world of girls go to the gym and use five pound dumbbells. And I'm like, why would anyone do this? This is no fun. Right. Um, and when I found, I found kettlebells in 2011 slash 12 and worked with a coach. And I found that I made huge gains with the heavier weights. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I want everyone to know this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want everyone to know that strength training is awesome. And at the time I was like, and running is awful. You don't need to run, <laughs> but I love running. Um, and I think I had just got myself to the point that I was running so much. I was literally running. I had run three half marathons that year. Um, very little strength training and was getting larger is what was happening. And I talked to a guy that I worked with and he was like, he told me I should try something. Some people call CrossFit, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. And at the time I was kind of like, Hmm. I just don't know. And this is nothing against that. I can say I've never actually gone to a CrossFit class to have a full accurate opinion of it, but it made me think like, well, I have this one little kettlebell. Let me see. And that's when I sought out a coach. I knew that knowing how to move with heavier weights properly was important. Um, and I fell in love with kettlebells and I was like, well, I don't know where this Navy is going, but I know when it's done, I want to be a strength coach. Um, and so I worked for like, while well, I'm still in the Navy, so um, I'll be retiring in a year plus, like I said. And I knew that I wanted to work on my um, certification. So I got my first certification in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, I had actually just moved from San Diego, California to Annapolis, Maryland, um, and then went and got my kettlebell certification, my kettlebell instructor cert. And just started, well, then I got pregnant, which I planned to do, but it just, you know, put things on a slower track. Um, and I continued with that. I got a level two certification and I got, had my second son or second child and my second child. And then, uh, I started running again. Um, but this time I wasn't running with this pressure of it being my primary, like I'm running just to lose weight. I was running because I enjoyed running. Um, so I found you can run and love it and not run with the pressure behind you know, all the things I'll end up talking about. Um, 
in that time, I ended up coaching my mom through her first marathon. She was 51. Um, and that was super awesome. I mean, she was my mom and I wasn't a running coach. I was like, mama, I'll help you out. Um, so that was the first time in 2014 I did that. Uh, I had a couple uh, one-on-one strength clients through my pregnancy and um, the first few years of having children. But what I knew then is I wanted to move online. So I started my online business in 2019 and have been working on growing that aside mom of small kids and a full-time job and obviously life and social life and all that. So now I think running is something that if you love it, you should do it if you can, right. It shouldn't be something that ties you down and restricts you and makes you feel like I must go run today. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. I guess that takes me to where I am now. Awesome. So there's, a, there's a lot to unpack there, a lot to question you on. So I guess one of the things that really got my attention in that was the whole move into strength because it's growing for women. I think understanding that being strong and getting strong is, is a good thing. What, what do you, why do you think it's so important for mums, women to get strong? Well, the, you know, more sciencey reason why is as women, as, as everyone ages, you start to lose your muscle that you have. So the, more muscle you have and continue to build the less of an impact of, I'm going to use aging with air quotes. I know you can't see those, but, um, the less impact of aging that would have, and the more muscle you have, the more, um, the higher resting metabolism you have. So it, it like builds you up and sets you up for future success. Um, and when I say success, maybe that was more for future, Hmm. Where do I went there? Future health, future health. Yeah. I think I'm totally with you. Muscle is such a foundational health thing for everybody, men and women. Mm-hmm. And it can literally save your life. So, well, and then after becoming a mom, like the amount of muscles that you use every day to you know, squat down and pick up your kid or bend over to pick up all the toys left on the floor. Right. (laughs) You know, no, very few, very few, a lot of people that pull a muscle do it without, you know, lifting a weight, it's bending over to pick up the Legos, you know? So if you practice those patterns that help you move more efficiently, you're going to save yourself from pain and the inability to take care of your own children because that's just not fun. Yeah, because children grow, right? So they get heavier. Yes. Uh, Last week, there was a day, both of my children literally were like, mom, you hold me and you hold me. And they are combined over at least 90 pounds for sure. Because my son had just stepped on a scale on it. I try not to encourage my kids to weigh themselves too much, but they see it, so they step on it. so yeah, they're just about a hundred pounds probably. Mm. And there it was like holding both of them. It wasn't very much fun because, you know, I didn't really hold like a hundred pounds of kettlebells under my arms and on my hips. It's not usually where it is, but I was able to do it. And mm. thankfully one of them agreed to go to my husband because I was like, they both wanted me was the catalyst for that. That must feel amazing that you can pick them up and, and hold them like that because there might be a time when you might need to do that in the future. You just never know, right? Right. Carry them out of a burning building. I can do that. 
yeah, so you're, you're like, you got superpowers. <laughs> exactly. So what was it about kettlebells that you seem to, what drew you in about kettlebells? Because obviously, I think in the world of kind of strength and stuff, people always think about barbells and dumbbells. You what know, I found that, so at the time I was stationed on a ship, a Navy ship, and I could have one kettlebell and I could do that while the ship was moving. Um, with a, if you're using a barbell um, when the ship's moving, that's not, it moves the weight and it can be hard because um, I, I did try that a few times. Um, thankfully, I didn't get injured, but uh, I found I could use the kettlebell underway when we were out doing exercises. And um, that was probably what drew me to it was I could have this one piece of equipment and use it multiple ways. Now I have like 20 kettlebells. So not, you don't need to have a whole bunch of pieces of equipment. And, you know, I started collecting a home gym of kettlebells. And then eventually, you know, I do have barbells and I, if somebody wants to train on barbells, but what I find with most of the people I work with, they barely have a kettlebell or a set of dumbbells at home. So being able to be flexible with the equipment that you have and a kettlebell is kind of like a home gym all in one. So did you notice a, a carryover from getting strong into your running? I did. Exactly. So in the Navy, we have a semi-annual fitness test. And after I had gone like all in, I'm going to get strong, not running anymore. Um, I was lifting with the kettlebells. Let's see, probably about six months. And like consistently with the intention of using the kettlebell as my primary tool. And I did my next uh, mile and a half run in, it would have been in March timeframe. It doesn't matter. Um, and you know, you're just running and you're literally running almost as fast as you can for a mile and a half. And whenever I heard my time at the end, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't remember what it was, but it was the fastest time I had ever had at that point. Mm -hmm. I was like, I haven't even been running. Um, so I totally saw a carryover, um, with a proper kettlebell swing and working, you know, I mean, just that in itself works your core, your posterior muscle chain. So all those, um, back, back of your body propelling muscles, um, definitely had my fastest run. And I think I had done two runs in that four or five months. Um, and I also had already signed up for a silly race venture at the time of like a 10 K Saturday and a half marathon Sunday. And I had a PR on my half or my 10 K on Saturday by like four or five minutes. And then Sunday running a half marathon. The next day I ran like 30 seconds over or within like 30 seconds of my PR. It was not faster, um, but it was within like what I had been consistently running that year prior. Yeah, that's funny because I've got a couple of clients who are runners. They love it and they've managed to take time off. They're, they're, so we decreased their runs and we got them strength training and they're, they're getting faster. Yeah, yes. That, and I think that's the hardest thing about a runner is they think that they have to be running all the time. Mm -hmm. um, the last marathon I trained for, not myself, but my client, um, and a disclaimer was also my mom and she's now she's 56. She took 40 minutes off her PR, um, oh. and she ran three days a week, three days a week, 
ran a full marathon, had an enormous PR, and she did have a nine-month training window because the race kept moving dates and such, but uh, it was amazing to see her progress. And she did strength in addition to her running, but she didn't run seven days a week or six days a week. And they were not, her long run obviously was a long run because you need this distance in the miles, but her other two runs in the week were lunchtime runs about 30 minutes. So it wasn't spending most of your time pounding the pavement, um, a combination of smart training with the distances at the right times. And the strength was what got her an awesome PR. That's beautiful because one of the things I see with a lot of ladies is they're trying to do too much. Oh my gosh. I, and you know, I, I do too much. <laughs> <laughs> tell me more about that. What is the too much? Go on, tell me. Well, even with my own, I'll, I'll just talk in the terms of training. I, I, I do too much in all facets of my life, but I find I need a little bit of the pressure to make things go forward. Um, mm-hmm. And like, so over like the winter holiday, I, but I like took a break from all the things and I did nothing, like nothing productive. I mean, I relaxed and it was great and it was good downtime, but all of a sudden I was like, I need January to come along so I can get my stuff moving again. Cause I couldn't motivate myself without the external time pressure. Um, in terms of training, I, I'm supposed to run today and I'm not going to run today because last my training is, I had it on like an increasing uh, intensity and last week was a big jump. And I'm noticing that I am not recovered enough to do today's run. And so instead of pushing myself to do today's run, I'll do probably a strength workout and a very light recovery spin class that will be me moving. Cause I still have that feeling to move but I know that the 45 minute tempo run I have planned is not what my body needs right now because it has not been recovering properly. That's beautiful because recovery for me doesn't get talked about. Mm. Everyone talks about the training, but doesn't, no one talks about the recovery and rest. Well, I just heard in my recent running coaching class that I took for my certification there that it's not necessarily overtraining as it is under recovery. And as I was walking down my steps last night, thinking about what am I going to do tomorrow? Like planning out like the hours of my day versus the total day. And I was like, I need to get a run in and I'm walking down the steps and my quads just still hurt from this run. I kept doing all my other runs. And I'm like, I'm not running tomorrow Mm. because I'm not recovered enough to go do the run that I want to do. So. Awesome. Cause that kind of bleeds over into just life in general, right? That, I, I found, because I coach women primarily, well, all mm-hmm. women, they're always trying to do more, always trying to do more. Sometimes actually less is better. Yes. And like, like I use my mom's marathon as an example, the way it fit into her schedule, she had her strength that she wanted to do, which I obviously agreed with. And she could fit two runs and a long run and two short runs and a long run. So like, let's make those two runs and that long run count. Let's space them out appropriately. And she did it. She was awesome. Awesome. So I just want to switch lanes a little bit. Sure. Let's talk about nutrition and stuff. And yeah, just maybe some of the myths that you hear and some of the things that maybe your clients come to you and go, I want to try this, Melissa. And you're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> what, what um, myths that you hear? 
So I would say the those who want to cut out all carbs as a runner specifically. Now you could talk about this for anyone who's going to be doing intense exercise, but as a runner, you need carbohydrates. If you want to say in, in cutting out anything, this is a recent feeling I have, and I, I have now applied it. So I've been working with an intuitive eating coach since last, I think we first met last February and then started working intensely like early spring. And I kind of bled over a little bit of those restrictions releasing those restrictions into exercising as well. Hence myself, not actually going to do a run today. Um, when you pull back that restriction of you don't have to stop yourself from eating and I'll, I'll use candy and sitting right next to me is a Halloween bowl of candy that has legit been on my desk, right where we walk by since a Halloween, October. And it's now toward the end of February. There is, and I'll show you, it's right here, a full Snickers bar that has been sitting on the top of this candy bar. And Snickers are my second favorite candy. And I haven't had it. And at this point, my friend came over a few weeks ago. She's like, if that's here, the next time I come over, I'm going to have it. I'm like, go for it. I'm like, if it's still there, it's all yours. Like that bowl of candy is for people to eat. Because now a year ago, two, two Halloweens ago, that whole bowl would have been demolished. And I used to hide it in the closet. But now I just told myself, if I want a piece of candy, I can have a piece of candy. When I have one piece, I'm almost like, oh, it's not that great. And then it sits there on the counter. And now I'm like, well, I really like the space on my counter back, but I don't want to throw it away. And now I'm just trying to see how long the Snicker bar lasts in my house. <laughs> I'm in. Take the Snickers bar. Right. <laughs> Got it. Um, so with regard to carbs so many people say oh well i'm low carb or no carb when as a runner you need carbs and when you start removing a whole group of something out of your diet you're likely to end up with nutrient deficiencies um, which is also not going to be great for your running performance um, it's going to be harder to function uh, thinking and sleeping and all of the things that make us function every day and do life. Um, so when people say I'm going to remove something just for the sake of removing it, and I'm focusing on carbs specifically as a runner, um, I, I now eat a whole banana, right? It used no. to be Did you not eat? Okay. You say half a banana because like, oh, a whole banana is too many carbs. Just eat the whole banana. That's my opinion. Mm. That's where okay. I've come from recently in the past year of the whole banana will be okay. Mm. Like I run enough that the whole banana is a hundred percent fine. Mm. Oh, and the other one, I can eat this because I ran. I don't oh. like that, that drives me bonkers. Oh, yeah. oh, well, since I ran today, I'm going to have this cookie. Okay. Well, I'm going to have the cookie, whether or not I ran or not. Mm. Those are my two big ones. And it was interesting there you, that, you know, as a coach, you just said, I'm working with a coach on my nutrition. Oh, yes. Yes. And I see so many people trying to do this stuff by themselves. Yes. And back to me doing too much. So one of my personal training goals is a triathlon in June. Nice. And I don't have a coach for that yet. And I was talking to a girlfriend the other day 
and she was like, oh, well, you should check. Have, do you have a coach? And I was like, no. And you know, I totally know I should have one mm-hmm. clearly. And I like to have a value for coaches, but I am, I just haven't done it. Part of me is it's new and it's different. And I'm afraid to like invest and in, you know, this is what everyone can tell you. I'm afraid to invest in a coach and then fail clearly is where I'm at. That's exactly why I haven't done it. Because what if I fail? Yeah, but that makes sense though, doesn't it? I think there is a big thing about getting help. It's almost that thing of, well, if you put the money in, then you're committed to it. So by committing, you either do it or you don't. Whereas at the minute, (laughs) if you don't do do anything, then you don't do anything, right? It's, there's no consequence, I guess. It's a very good point. And it was funny as I was chatting with her and I'm like, this is, you know, what other people say about, getting a running coach and I'm like, I, I need to do this. Then anyway, I had some family things come up. So that's actually still a browser open on my phone to yeah. get a try coach. Help, help me with my first try. Yeah, but, you, but you got a nutrition coach. You got an intro. Yes. But that's awesome. And I have a business coach, right? Um, so I value coaching. Mm. There's part of me, you know how it's kind of like the uh, carpenter who like never finishes the stuff in their own house. So I feel yeah. like I'm stuck in, I'm stuck in that of like, I can do it myself, uh, which but, I'm sure I could, but do I have time to? No, mm-hmm. no, I don't. It's the mental, um, it's the mental resource as well that it takes up, right? Totally. Because yes. often you know what to do. Oh, completely. I, I know exactly what to do. One would be to get my butt to the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that would be number one. Um, but I don't do that either. And I'm sure once I get a coach and they tell me I need to go to the pool, I'm gonna go to the pool. Yeah, we'll put that higher on the list of things to do this morning. Hey, I guess the accountability is something that humans do very well out of, actually. So actually, you know, we we I guess we have accountability all our lives, right? We go to school, and our teacher says we have to go and do our homework. And bring it back for yeah. time, and then we go to college, and we get the same thing, and then you might go to university. So, and you're in the navy, so you're going to have, you know, people above you that hold you account, mm-hmm. like your uniform and how you march and how you, you know, do all the things you have to do. So, maybe that's that's just how we're meant to be. Very astute observation. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, I just saw that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never thought about how we. It's, almost drilled into us from the beginning mm. and the then and how there's consequences of not staying accountable whether you know thinking about high school college university it's like your grades are the consequences mm. yeah yeah interesting maybe it's because now it's like well we don't there isn't that if we don't do the thing then it's okay but yeah but often i, I guess that holds us back from living the life that we want or hitting the goals that we say we really want yeah you're, you're making me feel like i should get my button gear over here greg <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the greg for coaching show <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the little kick oh, yeah, it just, oh no it just came to me it just you know just what you were saying so talk i just want to know a little bit about life in the navy how does that work because 
I'm I'm not gonna lie, I love watching SEAL Team. I know you have, I know it's an American show. I do love that show and things like the selection and all that kind of stuff. I do love it. So what's Navy life like for you? Uh, well, my current job is what well, we call it a nice shore duty. Um, so I'm teaching at our Naval Academy as my uh, last duty station. And I got assigned there in 2014 as a permanent military instructor. Um, so my last nine years of active duty will be teaching the future generation of our Naval Officer Corps at the Naval Academy. Uh, but before that, when I mentioned being on a ship, I spent nine years as what we call a surface warfare officer. And we you know, tell people like we're the ones who drive ships. And I had been stationed on three different ships. I deployed five different times. Um, I've been to 60 plus countries around the world and it's a hard life. And I say that in the sense of it's not something everyone A does and B can really imagine. And I feel like, you know, talking about my mom, but one of the things in the Navy we do, uh, coming home from deployment, we'll send some of the crew home early and bring friends and family out for what's called a tiger cruise. And this was on my fourth deployment that we made at work where my mom was able to come out and be my tiger. Um, and she was like in awe. So at this point, these were things I just did because I was told to do them. I showed up at work every day on a big gray vessel and I did my job and it smelled and you know, like it smelled in the sense you didn't know it smelled, but when you left it for leave and came back after a holiday, you were like, man, it smells on here. And I remember saying to my husband one time about like, oh man, I walked back on the ship and had that ship smell. He's like, yeah, you come home smelling like it every day. And I was like, do I really? And it's just like a, an industrial, I mean, it's all metal. Yeah. Me metal and people. Metal and people. And I mean, in the ducts, there's fumes and all that. But anyway, my mom couldn't believe like, this is what you do all day. And I'm like, I don't know what I do all day. I don't know. I go to meetings. I stand watch. We, you know, I don't know, let's just talk to my people. And I didn't think anything extravagant about it, but to somebody who has not lived that life, um, she was just in awe for the like six days that she was underway with us of like, you just get up in the middle of the night and go stand watch for five hours. Like, that's weird. <laughs> like, that's just what we do. So, um, you know, it's a 24 hour job someone has to be on watch in a whole bunch of places about a third of the crew a quarter to a third of the crew is like up on watch at any given time um and so it's managing all of those requirements so there's maintenance that we have to do to keep our equipment running we have to take care of our people all of those people so i was on a, a smaller ship about 300 people um they all have families at home too so it's you know making sure they have what they need to take care of their family from you know our 509 and a half foot long hmm. town at sea. Nice. Self-sustainable besides the fuel. Um, so you rendezvous with a supply ship every couple of days to get more fuel and fresh fruits and vegetables, which was very hard to come by when you're operating by yourself in the South Pacific and there's no supply ships there. Hmm. Um, so we can talk about nutrition on a ship another day yeah no, I'd, I'd love to you know maybe uh, we'll do a part two to this and talk about yeah, yeah that must be tough I mean and I've been off of a ship for eight years now so maybe it's better but you just can't 
can only keep fresh fruits and vegetables for so many days and they're not fresh anymore. Um, And if your ship is somewhere where you don't have access to replenish, you know, you you are missing out on bananas lasted a long time on the ship. I don't know how they did it. Somehow the bananas would like come out like the perfect color, like for like a week. And we haven't had like a refresh. And I'm like, where are the bananas coming from? And how did they get them? And they're not brown. And then one day they turn brown and be like avocados. But for a while, bananas would last. And apples and oranges lasted. Hmm. Um, Awesome. So it it is something that the ship reported out of like, how many days of fresh fruits and vegetables do we have left? So it was like not an internal thing. Like everyone operationally knew the ship had two days of fresh fruits and vegetables left. I guess that's something you can take into every aspect of life, right? You're kind of reporting on where you are at this moment in time, right? Yeah. So yeah. Your, your runs, I imagine you're like, for my 5K run, this is my time. Mm-hmm. Um, for my kettlebell front squat, this is what I squat. Yeah. So I guess it's a skill to carry over everywhere, right? It is. And, you know, I... I went to join the Navy right out of college. So to me, I didn't really know any different. I've never had uh, a real job. So like my husband had done some interviews recently and a friend of mine had done some job interviews. I'm like, I don't even really know what that is because I I interviewed for a job at a home improvement store when I was like 19 Mm -hmm. or 20. I don't even remember how old I was. That was like the last job interview I've done. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know those words you speak of because I've been in the Navy since then. It is kind of one of the downfalls of like, when you get out, like I've been in the workforce for 20 years, but I've not done an interview since then. But they do have classes that they send us to, to get some experience. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so let's just switch back to running now. Yeah. I hate running. I'm not a runner like I'm a sprinter I used to be a sprinter I used to do track yeah. but anything over 200 meters uh, uh. what is it about running that you just fell in love with I love the freedom to be outside so I'm not really an outdoorsy person so it gives me a reason to get outside enjoy whatever the weather is at the moment and when I really found that I loved it was I got to be away from crying kids. (laughs) So I think that might've been part of it. Um, But it's something I have control over. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to be outside and, you know, I live in a beautiful area and almost everywhere I run, whether if I run from work, I'm right on the water. Um, And I love the water, hence the Navy. And so just being able to see different places. Usually when I travel, I go for a run in a new place. so I've ran in almost every city I visited, like Chicago, New York, Boston. I've ran in Sydney, Australia. Um, that was a, like a, you know, I ran with like the opera house in the background. Um, so I use it as kind of my method of exploring since that's how I get outside. So, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, right, Melissa, I want to r- learn to run. What, what's kind of your methodology or how do you get me to be able to run properly? Because that's the hardest thing, I guess. So with running properly, if you want to talk about form, um, everyone has a natural running gait. And unless you're injured, I'm not going to recommend that you change how you run. Mm-hmm. 
What I will recommend is if you're like, well, I want to start running and you go out and run three miles and you're like, but then I didn't run for two weeks because I was hurt and like sore from running three miles. I'm going to say, well, that's because you went too much too soon. Yeah. So if somebody's new getting into running, I would recommend a walk to run program to get started. Um, and you know, we, I would base it off of however many days a week you want. And I use the word run pretty liberally. So I also don't like to focus on pace or time or, um, with an individual runner in that comparison feature. So one of the things I hate when I see in any running group, oh, this was such a slow run. And I'm like, well, your slow might be her fast. So like, watch out what you're saying when this is like a slow run, because that could be someone else's like super fast pace. Hmm. And the other thing is to slow down. Um, actually in a, not my group, but in another group, someone's like, I can only run for a few minutes at a time. And how do I get to be able to run farther? And all I wrote was slow down. And I actually got like a comment back and it was like, oh, well, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was like, that's a, that's a good idea. I probably should slow down. I do kind of go at a pretty fast pace. And I was like, yep, slow down. And if you think you're going too fast, or if you think you're going like the perfect speed, slow down even more. Um, because there's a, as you, when you're new, you kind of have like a finite amount of energy, your body and your mind are going to be able to expend toward the next run. And so if you go slower, you'll be able to go farther. Um, and the farther you run over time, the faster you'll eventually become. Makes sense. Yeah. So one of the things I like to say, and I actually just said this recently in one of my group trainings for my uh, VIP clients was to ditch the numbers. Um, like let those numbers go. I, I specifically said, ditch the old numbers. We were talking in reference to if you have a break in running and you're returning um, for whatever reason, that break, like whatever those old numbers were, those are cool and they were great, but you may reach them again and you may not. So, um, and by ditching the numbers, you're likely going to be slower and you're going to feel better when you're finished and not feel gassed and exhausted and tired. You want to be energized when you're done with your run, not. So it's like a a meet them where they're at kind of thing, because you're not the person you were before you took the break. Exactly. Yes. Six months or whatever you took. Yeah. And so a lot of runners that I coach have ran before and have returned to running. Um, But there's a lot of people who've been running and just want to up, you know, maybe like level up, maybe run that next race distance or something. Um, And again, going at it with a plan. One of the things I like to make sure that I give in any plan, I mean, I coach moms is to make sure that plan has a flexible component to it. Um, So I just went through and updated a couple of the running plans with some of the VIP clients and you know, when I sent the email out with like, here's your updated plan. And I like explain, like, here's your flexibility window. Um, you know, like these days don't have anything listed. So that way, if something happens on these other days and you want to move them, you can, if not, just like keep moving, like yeah. just that day's gone and go to the next one. The next, I like it. Yeah. Cause I think there's whenever, you know, I, I get people come to me for training or whatever it's, 
they always look for this rigidity but you know if i know they've got kids they've got a busy life schedule they've got social life you have to have flex in it right exactly um and i have a similar concept with nutrition where hmm. and i'm sure you, like if you have a an i'm going to use the word bad day but i don't like that word um no. but if you have a day that maybe you didn't make the best food choices for yourself and you're feeling blah that's a better way to describe that mm -hmm. um do we feel blah for 10 more days or do we just like say, or do I like eat nothing the next day because I had blah the day before? No, you just get back on where you left off, you mm -hmm. know? And so similar from, um, and obviously with fitness movement, you can't always, if you, you know, you're gone three months, you don't want to go where you left off. So there's a bridge there we have to build, but you, you're not going to just like counter that. So I always see people saying, well, I need to make up my workout. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if you are making it up, like I'm going to do this one. Like, so for instance, like I mentioned, I'm not going to do the run I had scheduled today. I now will be re-looking at the rest of my week and things are going to go away, right? Things that I thought I was going to do maybe tomorrow, I'm going to do today. And I didn't end up doing, you know, I'm going to rearrange the whole week. And that's one of the things that you know, something happens, right? Something came up. I slept in yesterday by accident. It was actually what happened because I was tired and I needed sleep. And I know that sleep is important. So yep. I like, oh, well, I will, I'll just do my exercise when I get home from work. And then I didn't feel like it when I got home from work. So I didn't do it. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It's not a big deal. It's about the recovery, isn't it? So it's not leaving it too long, that which is a problem, I think, for most people. Yeah. You know, and I think people need to rest more than they think they do. I think people get into the, oh, I need to go on maybe like a running streak, um, which if, if, if you're doing it, it's fine. And you're not exhausted at the end of the day. I, I, I'm not gonna tell you not to do something cool like that if that's something you like and you think it's cool, but I personally can't run every day. Like my old lady joints and my arthritis are like, uh, no, <laughs> you can't run every day. So. Yeah. For me, that's just not something I can even dream of, which I've made peace with. And some, for some people, a running streak is super cool. And I see people who say they've been on them. But what I've also seen is eventually they, they like and peter out. So sustainability is a, is a really big thing for you. Yes. Got yes, it. Absolutely. Got it. So if there's one message from this podcast, it's like, ladies, be sustainable in every aspect of your life. I think that should be our goal. Everyone's goal in general, right? You want to be able to keep going, mm. right? And you want to be at a place that you're happy with now and keep that going. Yeah, got it. Awesome. So I'm going to just quickly flip back to some kettlebell stuff just before okay. you wrap up. This has been awesome. Um, so give me your top three kettlebell exercises. Oh, top three. I'm glad you gave me three. The Turkish get up um, is, uh, the one I probably should do more of. Uh, I think everyone should do more of, it's very hard to kind of get at the beginning. There's a lot of pieces to it, but the Turkish get up, like if I were only allowed to do one, well, that would be my number one. So if I could only ever do one, I would do that one because I have uh, an overhead movement. I have a hinge in there. I have a lunge. Um, so lots of full body motion. You get some, uh, 
oblique work and your abs. So core, all, yeah, that's totally number one. My clients, when they hear that, they're going to be really upset because I love to program it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the Turkish getup. So that's definitely number one. Um, I would say for thinking of the most general, uh, a goblet squat. Yep. Uh, is one of my other ones. And I would, well, I should also caveat that between a deadlift and a squat, I, I go back and forth all the time, mm-hmm. but I'm saying goblet squat here for the fact that I've already picked Turkish getup. So you are getting a little bit of a hinge mo- movement out of the getup because you're only giving me three. Um, and then my third one would probably be, I'm going to go with a bottoms up press. Ooh. Yes. I've not done those in a while, actually. That's actually what I'm going to be doing today. Nice. Although I'm not, do- well, I'll probably do some goblet squats, but single leg deadlifts and uh, a bottoms up presses are on my nice. agenda. Deadlifts. I'm not running. Yeah. So ladies, listen to Melissa. You've got to do your single leg work. Oh, totally. Yes. That's the other part with the Turkish getup. As a runner, you're still working the single leg mm. uh, side. Yeah, because if you want to run faster, you need to be in that lunge position, right? Because that's what running is. It is a lunge, really, when you think it about is. it. It is. Yeah, that's what I hate when I do, and when I give them Bulgarian split squats. I hate them too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still do them and I still program them, but I, I, I'm, I feel you, ladies. Those are like the worst. Um, I know. But they are very good for lots of things walking cycling they are they are beautiful exercise but again i guess clients hate them because they're tough they're really tough and they are but there is no shame in using a smaller weight or no weight at all Mm -hmm. in order to get the pattern down so i would say if you're saying these are really hard as i'm sitting here holding 20 pounds ditch the weight ditch the number get rid of it do it without um, to get the reps in, don't overtax yourself muscling through it. Cause that's when you can get hurt. Beautiful. So I like to leave with kind of the, your best or your top four tips that people can take away from this podcast. So shoot, give me the top four things that people should walk away from this going, yeah, I can implement that or do that. Okay. So four that, that seems like a lot of numbers, but my top tip is, uh, I mentioned it, uh, to ditch the numbers, right? And that can go from your current, like what pace am I running at right now to how far did I go in 30 minutes? Um, and I don't care if you track those things, but definitely don't be staring at them while you're running. Um, what that just is going to make you go, if you're trying to go fast, it'll just make you go slower every time you keep looking at your watch. Yeah. Um, so ditch the numbers. And I'm going to just include in that, like ditch the device. Um, they're good to have on the back end, but not necessarily to drive you during your exercise. Um, I mentioned about slowing down. Um, so slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Back on the ship, uh, we had uh, underway replenishments when we had to get the new, get the fuel and get the new food. Um, and that was always in the brief because it's a lot of moving parts. There's two ships 150 feet apart from each other. So there's lots of physics involved in that. So we don't crash. Um, and that was one of the statements that was always briefed. And I've kind of taken it a little bit further um, for my own. If you want to run fa- faster, um, 
you need to run farther. But in order to run farther, you need to slow down. All right, that's going to go back with the first one of ditching the numbers. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, all right, I know my last one I want to say. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I'll just say it next because I, I don't know if I have a fourth one. Um, that running should be fun. If you're running because you feel like this is the only way I can run to keep my waist a certain size or whichever, you're you're not gonna you're gonna hate it and you're not gonna be happy. So don't don't do things that don't make you happy. Um, so running should be fun is well, I don't know if I have a fourth one in there, but I think that was plenty. I think if okay. people those, if people took those three, there was kind of three and a half in there anyway, I think yeah. would walk away and go, do you know what? That's some great tips there. That's awesome. Thank you. So where can people find you and find out more about what you do? Where can people follow you? Uh, I'm on Facebook. Mostly I have a uh, Facebook group for moms who run. It's the strong mom run club. And our tagline is soul sisters, like S O L E for shoes and, and goal getters. Um, so that is free. Uh, so if you are a runner and you're listening and you're looking for some accountability and uh, some fun, please join that group. Uh, I am on Instagram uh, at strong mom underscore strong family. Uh, I don't post on there nearly as much. It doesn't bring me joy, so I don't do it. I do do stories it's kind of where I end up on Instagram every few weeks. I'm like, oh, I should put something on here. Um <laughs> I have a website. It's my first and last name. Um, I'll send that to Greg so he can post it in the show notes, uh, melissasarevi.com. And yeah, I think that's where you can reach me. Melissa, thank you. It's been awesome. I think you dropped some great knowledge bombs for people. Um, would love to do a part two at some point. So we'll, we'll catch up about that. That's and great. Uh, that'd be awesome. And to anyone listening, you know, share this with friends. Um, I'll drop Melissa's details in the show notes so you can follow her and, and get get soul sistered and get strong which is going to be wow. awesome swing kettlebells and run sounds like fun there you go um and yeah drop us a recommendation on apple and we'll see you in the next episode talk soon bye